Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Lord, we want to be those who are offering up sacrifices that make you well-pleased. We want lives that are like... um, in line with what we say we believe, that there wouldn't be hypocrisy or fakeness. It'd just be, that we'd be the real thing. And that we would just reap all the benefits of being the real thing, honest, transparent, open, free from uh, other people's baggage they try to put on us because we know who we are in you. Our identity's in you. Our life is hidden in you. So, Lord, as we uh, get into your word, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, that our hearts would be softened, that you would help us to let go of the grip of the things we hold on to, and to allow you to minister and move in uh, the inner crevices, the, the deep parts of our heart, so we can, you know, experience real transformation so we can experience life, life everlasting here and, and in the ages to come. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Um bears repeating the context that this is written in, right? Um, A a group of of Jewish believers, um, it's it's thought that they might be in Rome and it might be like a small group of Jewish people and now you have Jewish believers and so their identity is a mess and they're they're struggling with thinking about going back because it was just kind of easier you know, to go back, go back to home, go back to the way it was. And, and so this whole letter is like saying there is nothing to go back to. What you're looking for is, is in Christ. And, and all the things that you saw before, they were shadows. They were images of the things to come. They were like a concession at best. But they were all pointing towards Jesus. And what you are looking for is found in him. Now, you're suffering now, and we know they lost property. They went through some, some persecution, but it's like, this, this is, it means nothing in, in light of following Christ. You're just joining in with Christ and even in your sufferings. And, and even though right now you think, oh man, woe is us. Let's just make it easier. It's the Lord working in them even through the sufferings, even through the hardship. And so there's, there's that constant reminder of like, let's come back to Christ, come back to Jesus, come back to him. Don't, don't look anywhere else. He's exactly what you're looking for. So when he says, remember those who rule over you, those who are in leadership, past and present, who have ministered to you, spoken the word of God to you, who have given you the, the scriptures, who have spoken out the gospel, preached the gospel to you, whose faith Follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Concern of not, don't forget, you know, the message and the messengers. Sometimes we, we're like, uh, obviously we, want, we don't want to exalt men too highly because that's always 
always a threat. And we are, we are so prone to uh, idolatry, aren't we? I mean, if you look at uh, the Old Testament, seemingly that's the main issue. It's just idolatry. Like we just are constantly trying to figure out idols. And, and so, I mean, even like, you know, we've referenced it multiple times, but the golden calf, let, we don't know what God looks like. Let's make something that looks like God and worship that. So even like semi-well-meaning, it's just so easy to make idols. And I don't, so we're, we're cautious about that. But there's something about honoring those who have come before us. Because, I mean, when you're reading through like the New Testament or and the Old Testament, they're honoring. We just had a whole chapter of honoring those from the past. Like it's remembering those who have carried the torch well, who have ran well. And there's something to that, remembering those who have come before you, who have had fruitful impacts in your life. Those who have had an impact in like helping you see who you are, where you're going, what the message, what, what are you carrying forward? Where are we going moving with this? And the idea is, is what? Those who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith Follow, follow those faith. Remember 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So we're following those who are followers of Jesus. We're following those who are following Jesus. And, and, and what's the important di- difference? This is where you, it all comes down to, considering the outcome of their conduct. Because we're talking about a transformed life. And this is what we need to experience. This is what keeps us from doing like the, the church thing where everybody like acts like they're good. They like look good from the outside. But the closer you get, like the Craigslist postings, look at that car. And then you see it in person. You're like, oh, whoa. It's like from way back at the perfect proper angle. Uh, worse off is the social media uh, version of that, you know. It's almost like, you know, don't oversell, you know, because if I ever meet you in real life, I'd rather just know what you really look like. Because otherwise, I mean, what's the approach? Like, oh, okay. Not that you're trying to make yourself look bad, but that was a filter, wasn't it? Um, but the idea is this, that there's a, an actual transformation that is taking place in the lives of these believers and there's fruit. There's a fruit from the, the fact that Jesus is alive and well living in them. That they're, that they're different, that they've become different. These are the leaders that you want to be around and you want to remember, and we're going to get into next week, honor and obey, in a sense. Put yourself under, uh, and this is, this is a hard thing, I mean, because you've you got to understand, I'm a punk rock hardcore kid, putting yourself under the submission of someone. You know what happens when you're, under the, you're not under the submission of anyone? You're, you're, you, where are you going to go with that? You're the, you're the only one that has any sort of wisdom. You can't trust anyone else. You can't put yourself under anyone else. When you find good and godly people in your life, listen to the things they say to you because you can't see it all in yourself. And what we're going to talk about next week is that they've been charged with caring for your souls. And there's like a whole judgment thing. And God has equipped each member in the body to do what they're supposed to do. So there's something about those who are called into leadership that they have a heavy burden for your soul. There's like a sense of restless nights and 
internal conversations that go a little wacky sometimes because you feel the weight of it. Ask me how I know. <laughs> you overplay things in your head where I hope that didn't come off wrong. I hope that that was good. I hope that that was, because you care about people. And that's one of the most gnarly parts about ministry is caring about a lot of people. <laughs> but the, the, a good leader who is received, you can look at and you go, I see the transformation in your life. I see the change in your life. There's something about remembering those and remembering what they have said to you, what they have offered to you, what they have taught you. So I don't mean it's any self-serving sense. And, and we know the idea of like, you know, don't, don't, don't touch the, the leader. Don't listen to everything they say. Don't check. Don't you, how dare you talk against me or ask me any questions? This is where like tyranny comes. This is where things get nasty and gnarly. So there is checks and balances. And you have to ask yourself, is this type of, this, is this what I want to be around? Is this who I want to be around? Is this someone that I be, believe God has put into my life to speak into my life? But then listen to the things that God is saying through them in a sense, right? And um, this, was, this was a big part of, you know, as you all know, finishing up my three years of school is you're submitting to someone that you see as valid and worth submitting under. Now, does that mean that it's blind submission or blind? No, absolutely not. Like that is, again, where bad things go real bad, real sideways fast. But you, you put yourself under someone to say, hey, look, I want you to write a paper on this. I want you to read these books. I want you to think about this. And you go, why? I don't want to do that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to rethink that. I've already got it nailed in my mind. I know everything about this. And then you, put, you go, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. And so you're, you're, you're brought into it like, oh, whoa, okay, wow. Yeah, you see things I don't see. And then you're around people, and you're, it's not just under a leader, but you're submitting, in a sense, to one another. And you're allowing people to speak into your life and to say things that are sometimes hurtful. <laughs> you know, the most hurtful things are the true things. You can say all kinds of stuff to me that's not true. And I'd just be like, okay, whatever, you know, like all the weird stuff. But as soon as you strike a nerve and you, you say something that I've thought about a thousand times, now, now that, that one hurts. It's like, oh man, that one, I felt that. But there's a point to where it's important to be around one. We'll be talk more about that next week. Um, but there's an importance in, in that. As you're watching someone, as they're following Jesus, you say, I want to go with you. I want to do this thing with you. I see what God's doing in your life, and I want to be a part of it. This is where discipleship's big. So it's not just like a pastoral thing, but it's discipleship. It's being around someone who's maybe a little further along or maybe with you, but you're, you're just, you're, hey, man, you've been an impact. You've had impact in my life. I want to go where, I want to, I want to allow you to speak into my life. And maybe you have those people in your life. Hey, I want to I will let you know, you can speak into my life. You can say what you see, and it might offend me, and I might throw a hissy fit in a temper tantrum and storm off, but I'll be back within 30 minutes. And just know, if I do the, the hissy fit thing, I, that was the one I really needed. Of course, you're gonna find people who are, as they're being transformed, full of grace and mercy. They're not gonna love being brutal about it. That's why sometimes you hear of like pastors and leaders who love being brutal with people and they think it's a badge of honor. 
Is, do you see Jesus like that at all? I mean, he's not like that. He calls things out like with the, the Pharisees, but why? Because they're full of pride and arrogance and he's cutting right to the issue because it's affecting other people. They're the ones being brutal. They're the ones lording over people with heavy hands. No, he meets people in their pain and in their sin, like the woman at the well. And he touches on it. Hey, get your husband. Don't have one. Ha, maybe you're not who you thought you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the rest of the story. Yeah, you've had, you've had many. The one you're with isn't. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Yes. And so much more. Tell you what, you're getting this water. How about you ask for some living water? I got something else for you. And what does she go away? Because she's been exposed in the most beautiful, gracious, merciful way, she tells everyone, come and see the guy who told me everything I did. Come and see him. This is what good leadership, transformational leadership looks like. So, imitate me as I follow Christ. The message is the same. They, what is the thing that, that, that is going to be telltale sign of someone you're supposed to remember who have spoken the word of God to you? Paul made it very clear. Like, I, he made it very clear that how important it was that even if he goes sideways, the word of God endures. Galatians 1, in, uh, verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, the message has gotten sideways. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, it's, I'm so grateful he put an angel from heaven because we have some context. Even if we, even if I or an angel from heaven Preach any other gospel to you than what you have than what we have preached to you. Let them be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again: If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. There's your emphasis. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached. By me is not according to a man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he says, I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. I'm not giving you a new message. And I'm not giving you something that I'm not doing too. I used to do underground electri uh, electrical and we dig ditches. And I was like a working foreman. And one of the things, uh, and then I was in working the warehouse, uh, you know, again, like in a foreman leadership position. And one of the amazing things is, is you notice if you can work with everyone else and work out, trying to outwork everyone else. The, the respect that you get from people. Because you're, you're just like, we're, just this, we're on the same road. Like, like leadership does not mean I, I get to sit back in my easy chair. Leadership is actually doing the hard things that only a leader can do. Like if you're a CEO of a company, you've, you better be operating as a CEO. 
Only a CEO can operate as a CEO. If you're in leadership, only you can operate in that leadership. So nothing is like a chill out thing. So it's just like following Jesus. We are following Jesus. You can come with us. I'm following Christ. Come with us, man. It's a party. We'll be with you. We'll, we'll, we'll walk this thing out together. And the message is the same. I received it. I've experienced it. It's transforming me. You come with us. Let's watch this thing transform. What, and this is what a beautiful mission. What a beautiful arc for the church. Transformed people around people who are becoming transformed. New life. Bringing new hope. That Tell me this isn't what people are looking for. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the firstborn over all creation. He was the plan at the very beginning. Everything was created through him and for him. The new covenant now that's been established, which was the old covenant, looking forward, looking forward, looking forward, through all the different covenants, through, through Adam, through Noah, through, um, through Abraham, through Moses, through David, now, looking forward to the new covenant, now we have a high priest who is not going anywhere. This is it. There's no return. Jesus is our eternal high priest, our eternal advocate. And he's, he's sitting exactly where he's supposed to be. What kind of a leader was he? One who's willing to give up his life and die on the cross for us, for our sins. What a merciful and compassionate king. Verse nine, do not be carried about with various, so because Jesus is the same, don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. It's a good, a good way to put it, strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. With everything in mind, with all that God has done, the way the old perfectly pointed to the new, you know, how it all just lined up so perfectly and it's this beautiful mosaic picture that it's all come together in the Christ in the most beautiful, obvious, unseen way. The mysterious work of the cross. With all that in mind, looking forward to the, the provision of the Messiah. Look at everything that God has done. Don't go for something weird and strange. That's what's interesting is always the, 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 stu the strange stuff is you can smell it. You walk in, you're like, this is a strange thing. And why? Because there's a strange fruit from it. And, and we're meant to look at the lives. I, I remember years back seeing a, a guy that came into a, a community and I there was a strangeness and um, strangeness of doctrine, strangeness of leadership and authority. And um, with it, I started hearing from many people, this, this is not good. I know this person. I know what they do. This is what they do. This is how they latch on. This is how they do this kind of thing. And there's something about it where you can sense there's something wrong here. I, I remember where I first got 
saved with like, okay, I was street witness. I'm not very good at it. I'm not a good street witnesser. I'm better at like talking like this than I am. I'd be like, I've never been good at like walking up to someone. Oh, hey, nice, um, nice Slurpee. By the way, do you know your Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, I don't know. It's just like not that, for some reason, that doesn't come across as natural for me. Some people can do that, and they just transition and into it, and they end up talking about it, and they're like, yeah, they ended up telling me everything about his life, and ended up meeting Jesus that day, and you're like, wow. I, I, in, the, in Bible college, I took a, actually took a street witnessing class because I thought I need to get better at this. I need to like at least get over my weirdness with it, um, and we would go to the Temecula Mall, and, and this is what I would do. I would eat like a Philly cheesesteak and hang out. I would think, all right, I'm going to go talk to someone. And I'd maybe talk to like one or two people the whole time. That was it. But I ate Philly cheese. Philly's best, you know, the real thing. Um, that was it. I was not good at it. I struggled with it. But sometimes I remember when I would actually engage with someone, I'd talk with someone, and they'd start quoting scriptures to me super fast and I'd just be like there's I don't know that's obviously that's the Bible but there's something wrong here there's something wrong I think I sense there's something wrong here and you wait a little longer and you wait a little longer and all of a sudden it comes out they're part of a weird cult there's something strange about it and there's something that we need to be aware of and um is the spirit of discernment like the discernment, when God gives us discernment for certain things, I believe some are given it in, in a really strong sense that it's like a gift. And you might not think it's a gift, by the way. If you have the spirit of discernment, you might be like, stop. <laughs> like I, I see too much. Like you might be able to sense in a room, like there's like demonic stuff. And others are like, really? Okay, I thought it was cool. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> what was this meat? What was this meat given to? All right, cool. You know, I wish I didn't know that. I was good. The other person's like, there's something wrong with this meat. <laughs> Someone here at one point did Bloody Mary when they were in high school. I know, I can tell. And everybody's like, because, you know, it was probably most of us because we were all, anyway. It was the 90s, man. We were just surviving, you know. Uh, <sighs> But it was like, there, there's, there's a sense of that that's really important. There's also a sense that we all have been given a spirit of discernment and we've become so calloused to it. We miss out on understanding and hearing and sensing what, is it, what are these things. Uh, and and it, can, it can work in a couple of different ways. One, we don't know the word of God. We don't know it. So when someone's saying it, even if they're quoting scripture, they're quoting it out of context to prove a, you don't know the context. We don't know the emphasis. We are prone to be misled if we're in that place. Also, we might not know, so the written word of God, we might not know the living capital W word of God, Jesus, well enough. And so we're able to be told things about him that aren't true. And, and, and so we're being able to, without having an experiential relationship with God, this is why it's really important not just to have head knowledge, but to have an active prayer life, to sit with God and to allow him to penetrate the depths of our heart and to sense his peace. Because you got to know his peace to know when it's gone. 
If you don't know his sense is peace and have a sense of like, man, that's, the Lord is, is with me. He, he's moved to know when it's gone. It's disappeared. And that's a tragedy we see in Scripture all of a sudden, when all of a sudden you realize that the Spirit is gone. You don't know it, but it's gone. You missed, you've lost the sense of, not to say that you can lose, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> not getting into that conversation. But there is absolutely a sensitivity where we can grieve the Holy Spirit and we could basically say, kick rocks, hit the road. I'm going to do it my own way. Maybe you remember shows that used to bother you and then you watched it enough to what didn't bother you anymore. And then, or, and then maybe you stopped watching it and you came back and you're like, I can't believe I used to watch this. It's like a sensitivity of God moving and saying like, this is not good for your soul. But that's really important when we're dealing with strange and various doctrines that establish very weird foundations. Because why? It's good that the heart be established by grace. Not with weird food rituals that make you elite, but don't actually transform anything. The only thing it transforms is a position of you above someone else. Common. This is human. You're just following the way of the world. See how I'm better than you? See how I'm greater than you? It's a Brian Regan skit from back in the day. Comedian Brian Regan. And he would say there's always the one-up guy. And so someone would say, like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I'm thinking about um, buying a condo. And he's like, oh, I bought a home. Oh, really? He's like, well, I bought a, an estate. I bought most of the forest, you know, uh, the wooded areas. You know, oh, wow, okay, well. I've been to Arizona, really. Well, I've been to Paris. I walked on the moon. That was actually how he ended it. So it's like, can't you see? And, and he makes the point. Can't you see? Here's you and here's me. You, me. <laughs> see it? Can't you see it? Burn it into your eyes. I'm better than you. This is pride. And so the, this going back to the old way, it might seem like, oh, we're just being cultural. It's, it's a return to pride. Because you've been humiliated by your circumstances. You feel like you're the odd man out. You're like, well, let me go back to where I kind of felt like I had it together a little bit. And these guys are kind of lording it over me. And I don't want them to do that anymore. I'm kind of sick of the persecution. I'm kind of sick of suffering. I'm kind of sick of taking up my cross and following you. Can I get a win every once in a while? But he says what? No, your hearts are established by grace. The whole thing is founded on grace. Look at your heritage. Look at the fulfillment in Christ. Don't be carried away to weird foreign teachings. You have it. You have the answer. You have what you're looking for. Don't look for another way. Instead, have your heart established or confirmed by grace. It's both positionally and relationally both with God and with others. As our hearts are, we've received the grace of God to now be made whole in him, to now have relationship with him, to now have access in, as we've seen, into the, to come boldly before the throne of grace. What is the throne of? Grace. We now experience grace again and again, and a life of grace is a life with less sin than a life that's focused on purely not sinning. 
Because we go to God and we're like, hey, here it is. And he's like, yeah, I already know. Because our, our, our natural, we don't have to look far. Our natural inclination is, as soon as we sin, is to hide. Adam and Eve showed us that right away. Hide. Keep up a good face and a good front. Maybe you won't see our nakedness. Everyone act normal. Nothing? <laughs> Walk in your kids' room, especially when they're younger. Nothing? Like, Nothing? No one asked a question or said a thing, and you said nothing, and there's like candy hanging out or something. Like, never my kids, someone else's kids somewhere. But I remember being that kid. You know, you did something, and you're like, okay, is this how my voice actually sounds? Or, or am I doing a weird voice? Hello, parentals, figures. I was, uh, hello, hi. Um, okay, salutations. And greetings, welcome to my abode. I think you'll find everything as satisfactory and completely as normal. It's like, okay, so what did you do and how bad is it? Because Norm is like, hey, what's up? I don't, I don't know. Where did you put it? Okay, anyway, you know. Positionally and relationally, we are honest before God, which opens up our honesty towards one another as we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. He's faithful and just to we forgive us of our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We're established by grace, not foods, not obscure rules. We're also distinguished by grace. This is how we look different. This is what sets us apart, a new heart. That's why, what was it for the children of Israel? What was the thing that set them apart from the nations? Oh, the brutality, circumcision. That was how they looked different. But what do we know about the New Testament, the new covenant? Circumcision of the heart. That's what's setting you apart. Your heart is different. It's no longer a heart of stone. It's become a heart of flesh. How's that done? Well, it's done by grace. How's that maintained? By grace. How do we do it with one? With grace. How do you deal and how do we deal with our issues when we inevitably will bum someone out and bump heads? Grace. Foundational grace. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. We're not on the outside, we're on the inside. The Holy of Holies, that was unattainable to them. We now are boldly into it. We can now come boldly before the throne of God into his presence. Holy of Holies was out of the question before. So you want to go back to that? Verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Jesus was outside the gate. I mean, the animals were, were killed outside the gate. Again, it was, it was way nastier and gnarlier than we think. Because sin is way nastier and gnarlier than we think. But blood was shed, mess was made out there so that peace could be made in there. Jesus was outside. Jesus was condemned. He was ridiculed. He took on the sinner's cross, the, the most cruel punishment that the Romans could come up with. 
And he died for a purpose. He suffered outside so that we can go in. He despised the shame, but what? Why? For the joy set before him, for what it was accomplishing. The gnarly stuff. He dealt with the gnarly stuff so that we can experience peace. Just like the animals, he's now done that. And it's not a works for a second, works for a year, works for whatever. It's like everlasting now through Jesus because of what happened in the nastiness outside. So it's like the animals, but oh, so much more so. How many of you guys were here last week when the toilets overflowed? Yes, most of you were here. Some didn't come back. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why. All of it. You're just like, come on. And the warfare has been at a high, right, lately, I feel like, which is like, all right, Lord, we're either doing something good or not. Um, <laughs> I think good. I feel like the Lord's doing something. Here comes every other thing. Tech, it was technology. It was all these millions. Anyway, toilets, both toilets un- went. Not one, but two, actually three. And if you notice, it's like seeping into the hall, seeping into the nursery. Come on. Got to be kidding me. And so Monday came, supposed to be a plumber coming at 11. We'll be there a little after 11, which is so nice of them to say, a little bit after 11. I can do a little bit after 11, guys. It's like the day, my day off or whatever. Um, a little after 11 comes and goes. It's now a little after one. Hey, you guys coming? No. Uh, or, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're next. Just so you know, you're next. Uh, and we'll have the uh, dispatcher, you know, get a hold of you, and you'll be next. Okay? Um, sweet. No dispatch. Another two hour comes. It's now a little after three. Hey, you guys coming? You're next. Um, we'll have the dispatcher get a hold of you. Listen, the dispatcher is not getting a hold of me. <laughs> I got to tell you, right? And then they're like, oh, okay. So the dispatcher te- sends me a text message. Uh, you, we have no ETA, but we'll let you know when we have one. I'm like, come on. <laughs> so what ends up happening, it becomes five o'clock. In the meantime, Jeremy Ito's like, hey, we can do this, man. Let's just rent the snake. And I'm thinking, do we want to do this? I'm thinking, do you want to do this? Is this something? Anyway, so five o'clock, I'm like, hey, man. They're, I don't think they're coming. So I cancel. He's like, get the snake, man. Let's do it. So I cancel with them, go to Home Depot, bring the snake in, find the clean out valve. And he snaked it and found it and unclogged it. And the whole thing went and then brought it out. And you know what? It made a mess. It made a mess. And I, I tell you right now, it's been scrubbed and cleaned. And then Pat came in and he scrubbed at secondary all the floors, all the, all the classrooms. Everything was completely gone through and, and cleaned over and over. It's all clean. Don't worry. Everything's been done. It's cleaner than it was before. I'll tell you right now. But it made a big mess. But you make a big mess so that then you can experience the peace of cleanliness. You go in there. It smells great. Everything works. Oh, and you're so grateful for indoor plumbing. But Jesus took on the nastiness and the gnarliness and the messiness. And, and there was one point where uh, the, the cable, we were bringing it in, it was chill. And there was a point where it needed to be spun while it was coming in. He's like, I don't want to do this, but I got to do this. And he clicked it and it went. <laughs> now it's a mess. And Jesus in, in that position is like, I don't want to do this in a sense. Like, like, is there another way? 
If this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, despising the shame, the nastiness, the gnarliness, the ridicule, the oh, all of it, the separation. He did it so that we can have peace. And it was all done by his grace. It's nothing we did to earn it. But our lives have to reflect it. He didn't die for us for nothing. You've heard it said before, you were bought with a price. Your life matters. It has value. So like, that's why the Holy Spirit's grieved when we continually resist him trying to take us out of the, the sewer and bring us to newness of life. He's like, I died to, to change this for you so that you didn't have to do this anymore. So you're no longer slaves to sin. Take off your chains. Thirteen, therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Remember the context, they're suffering, they're going through it. He's like, guys, suffer with them. It might be, mean suffering with them. This is an unpopular message in the feel-good crowd. But you know what? He's going to be with you. It's going to be worth it. And maybe there's a season of, of hard Maybe there's a season of suffering. Maybe it's a season of reproach. Maybe it's ridicule, it's persecution, whatever. It's with him. A servant is not greater than his master. They rejected him. They're going to reject us. So we've got to become or comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, a lot of times you think, how do I, how do I make this so that I, I don't, come across this way. You know what? If you, if you pare a message down and water it down so much, it's not even a message. People are looking for the real thing and it might mean by giving the concentrated version of the gospel, of who Jesus is, of what he wants to do in your life, of all the places that we want to hold back and saying, no, he wants all of those things. It might turn people off and they might say, I don't want to hear that. Get away from me. And for the most part, it's going to be people say mean things to us it might mean for like physical loss it might mean physical damage like they do stuff to you but at the end it's the message the, that's why Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel why would he say I'm not ashamed of the gospel because there is a hesitancy and there's a, a, a thinking that maybe people are because of how much how polarizing in a sense it is but it's a polarizing way that brings you from death to life from darkness to light this is the message. This is the hope. And it's all founded in grace. And so it, it makes more sense when we look to the future. What are we really here for? What are we about? Verse 14, we have, for we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. What is here is now. And, and, and praise God, most of us have had good lives. Some have not. Some struggle and suffer their whole lives. But we all, those who have had it easy and those who have had it hard, we all got to reconcile with the fact that we aren't living for here. We, we're putting up treasures in heaven. That's where we're, we're building there. And that no matter what happens here, our perspective has to be looking to there. Otherwise, we're going to be no good. We're going to just water it down. We're going, to, we're going to mold and conform the gospel to fit into whatever we're seeing around us. 
Verse 15, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We now uh, sacrifice not with animals, but with praise. Isn't that so much more beautiful? All the blood and the guts and, the, and the, just the sadness of killing an animal. For no, for you, for what, you know, no. Now it's a sacrifice of praise. We, we, we put aside all of our junk and all the stuff we're dealing with and all the whatever, all the poor meat and think of as praise. That's why, that's why Thanksgiving Eve is cool. Because you know how often we forget to be thankful and you know how often the Bible says to be thankful, to give Thanksgiving. I mean, it's, it's a, a lot. So we take time and you go, this has been the worst year of my life. Well, then you really should come. Because we need to have our perspective on, if, if nothing else, you can say, heaven's my home. He's with me. Whatever I endure and go through here, he's with me. Whatever the seasons take and bring, the ebb and the flow, you know, abased, abound, the highs and the lows, he's with me. And, I, and what could I be more thankful for than that? So we offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. That this is on our tongue. We say this often. When we pray at night with the kids, we always try to go like, thank you for, thank you for each person in our family. Thank you for this house. Thank you for food. Thank, you know, Friday I like ate breakfast and next thing I know I didn't eat again until like it was like, youth group time, and I'm like, I'm starving. And I'm like, I have food every day. That's really, I'm not starving. I'm just hungry. But how grateful are we that we get to eat three meals a day? Do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So sacrifice of praise, also sacrifices of doing good and sharing. God is pleased by our lives of worship. God is pleased by lives that reflect transformation. That's not what makes us saved, but it's an outcome of faith. And it's why those leaders are the ones that are to be followed, not the ones that do as I say, not as I do. Hey, listen, I know I don't do it, but you should. You know, I'm, I know it's important, but not important enough for me to do it, but you should do it. Does, that, does anyone ever follow that? No, probably not. But do not forget to do good. Don't forget to do good. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2 talks about this new kind of worship, this new kind of you know, offering up ourselves. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. It goes on holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our lives are worship to him. So we do it with our lips and we do it with our lives. 
We bring praise to God. We offer up our sacrifices, no longer sacrifices just to get in the door. We're in the door. These are sacrifices of like praise up to God of like, I can't believe I get to be here. I can't believe you changed me in that way that I thought there was no way and my teachers certainly thought there was no way. That we are all get to recognize that God raises the dead. Literally, like actually raises the dead and then raises the dead men inside of us to make us new. We're founded on grace. This is the basis for our standing and our relationship with God and each other. Our sacrifices are not in the death of animals, but in the lives of worship, in doing good and pleasing God. So, yeah, we're going to be in James, you know, after the new year. We're going to be in James, and it's like, show me your faith. Well, without works, I'll show you my faith by my works and get into all that kind of stuff. And you go, what is all this? It's like the idea is that a transformed life acts like a transformed life. It doesn't save you, but it's like, how do you not expect that to change? We're citizens of a different kingdom. We're living for something different. We're ambassadors. How in the world would that not change your life? And so in these final exhortations in, to, the, to the Hebrews, he's just encouraging them, don't give up, guys. Don't, don't go for the short-sighted thing that's really not even a thing, but found your lives on grace. The grace that was found on the cross when Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. That he op- opens it up. Follow me if you... Follow me. I, I will do things in your life you never would have imagined. Blow your mind. And then grace to remain, to know, you know, we're, we're a work in progress. We're being set apart in the process of sanctification. That our lives are changing as we're growing. And then we get to do it together, having a community of grace. Who wants to be a part of a community of one-up, one-upsmanship, no one wants to be a part of that. Oh, unless you're the one that's the one-up. But even then, isn't it miserable? Sometimes you might say a comment that like pump, puffs you up and even someone go, wow, that's really cool. And then you go, that wasn't that cool. Kind of bummed out afterwards. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as I thought it would feel to say that. But a community of grace it gives more life. It just, it just like inspires you. Like, I want to be around this. This is what I want to be around. Those who receive the grace of God, those who, who extend the grace of God. Lord, thank you for your radical grace, for your kindness, for your mercy. What else could we do but offer like thanksgiving and praise? What else could we do but have that be on our lips? Lord, we thank you that your promises are like eternal. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is coming as a surprise or isn't without your ability to reach. So Lord, I pray for those who are high on the hog right now, feeling good. (laughs) 
just feeling like everything's awesome. Help us to remember that this isn't what we're living for and to build our lives founded on, on the kingdom to come, the grace that we experience, that we would extend it to others. And those who are down and out, or they'd, they'd sense your grace and your peace. They'd sense your goodness and your nearness. And that all of us would be able to live lives of just thanks, of gratitude. That we would honor you. Lord, we worship you with our lips. We sing these songs not because we, you know, like concerts and singing or whatever, but we do this as a corporate act of all singing the same thing at the same time for your glory. There's power in that. And we, Lord, we pray that you're pleased by that. So align our hearts with our lips and our lips with our hearts, Lord, as we as we sing these songs, this last song out to you. And then as we leave, our lives would be aligned with our beliefs that we would live lives of praise and lives of uh, what the world could see as good, that we would look like Jesus, that we would be his hands and his feet extended. Christ is the head, we as the body. Lord, the world is dying and they need a touch from you and the church is the vessel. So help us to be part of that vessel to meet people in their pain and their struggles and their questions and their wanderings, whatever. Just use us, Lord. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.